Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. This morning, I'm going to start out by just giving you the title really quickly of the message. It's called Gripped by His Love. How many are gripped by the love of God this morning? We're going to be reading from 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to read verses 14 through 21. I'm going to give you just a quick moment to find that in your word. If you have it, say amen. Praise the Lord. I'm going to ask for those of us, the few in number that are here, and even you at home, let's just stand together for the reading of the word of God, just to reverence his word. Again, it's just an act of obedience. It's not religious, so stop tripping. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Starting at verse 14 in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and the word of the Lord says, For the love of Christ compels us. For the love of Christ compels us. One more time. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live shall no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. Very important. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Saints of God, you may take your seats in the house of the Lord this morning. I want to start out by kind of giving you a little bit of an illustration. This is a true story. This actually happened to me this week. 
my my uh, uh, routine, if you will, is Monday through Wednesday of every single week. I'm really just hearing from God. I'm getting an upload. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, where do you want to go this week? What do you want to share with your people? I want to be very careful to have my ear fine-tuned into the things of the Spirit to make sure that the Lord is the one that is speaking in this place. Amen? And so as my routine, I'm always waiting for that, that receptor. My antenna is up. And so this uh, past week, Sunday night, the resurrection Sunday night, I went to sleep and I had a dream. Now, this is a really freaky, a weird thing, but it's going to be pretty awesome when you hear it. I began to hear the Lord speaking to me almost in an audible voice, like I was having a conversation with the Lord. And the Lord said, go to your office and write this down. And I ran. I ran to my office. I went in. I grabbed a pad and a pen, and I began to write. And you know what the Lord said? Over and over, he says, tell my people that I love them. Tell my people that I adore them. How I could feel the presence. Tell my people that I love them with an everlasting love, from everlasting to everlasting. Tell my people that I love them. And while he's giving me, he's giving me scriptures, and he's putting it, and I'm like, wow, this is good. I'm writing it down. Oh, God, this is wonderful. Praise God. And he's writing. And then the more he's telling me, He's telling me so fast, I could hardly write it down fast enough. And I'm almost telling the Lord, slow down, slow down. I can't get it all at once. And he's saying, tell him I love him. Tell him my love for them is without measure. Tell him how much I care. Tell him how much I love him. Tell him that I die for them. Tell him I'll do anything for them. Tell him that with me and you, you and me, we're together. We're, he's telling me, tell them that I love them. And this is where it gets weird. He goes, Tell them that I love them like this. I heard that word, like this. And all of a sudden, my wife kisses me on the lips on Monday morning and woke me up out of my sleep. And it was weird because the dream, when he said like this, it was like he knew my wife was on her way. So for, uh, I don't know how long it was, he was just, tell them I love them, tell them I love them, tell them like this. My wife kisses me and I wake up and I say, Honey, you woke me with a kiss. Now, she's done this many times before, but this one was different because I was just in a love zone with the Lord, and he says like this, and he used my wife to kiss me. And then I said, Honey, you woke me with a kiss, and she walked, I guess, getting ready to go to work, and, you know, and, and she goes, Because I love you. And she just went into the bathroom and did her thing. And it was a culmination of the dream state, if you will, to the natural. And I said, okay, God, I understand exactly where you want to go this Sunday morning. While all kinds of chaos, while all kinds of wickedness, while all kinds of things are going on in the world, yes, judgment is in our land. Yes, God is dealing with sin. Yes, God is not happy with the things that we have done. But while he is correcting, while he is shaking the tree, while he is doing what he does, he wants you to know, listen, this may be a little difficult season for you, but I want you to know that I love you. That you ain't going to be destitute. 
Let me tell you, my wife and I, I can't seem to eat the food in my house. Praise God. I'm so blessed. And there are many of you that are in the same boat. You know, I, I thought we, we wouldn't be able to, to get what we need. I got more than enough. I've got an overflow. The food keeps coming, and we keep getting calls from the pantries. Hey, we've got an overstock. You want to bless your people. You, you've probably eaten the food. You know that I'm telling you, God loves you. God loves your family. God is providing for you. While the world is in chaos, God is loving his people. God wants you to know this morning that he loves you. He wants to love you and he wants to kiss you. You know how he wants to kiss you? With his word. God wants to give you a kiss this morning. The same way my wife kissed me, he's going to kiss you with his word. God wants you to know that he loves you immensely, without measure. You can write these words down. Jeremiah 31. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that yet while we were sinners... Christ died for us. John 15, 13. It says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for a friend. 1 John 4, 9. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. Hallelujah. Glory to God. How many know that God loves you? His love is like a clamp, like a vice grip. Uh, 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 you know those table clamps that you put something in and it clamps you down? God's love is that strong. He wants to grip you in his arms. Hallelujah. He says, in the midst of all of this, I'm holding on to you. But the question is, you have to be in Christ. Are you in Christ this Sunday morning. Because if you are in Christ, you can be gripped by his love. Praise God. But what exactly does it mean to be gripped by the love of Christ? I, I read the scripture earlier and I said it three times because I want you not to miss it. Paul, the apostle, he says, we are compelled by Christ's love. We are compelled. The love of Christ compels us. What exactly did Paul mean when he used the word compel in order to express the love of God in you and me? This morning's message is going to be talking about this whole topic of God's love, the knowledge of God's love. There had to be something intimate and, and compelling for him to use that word. So let's dig in a little bit. The word compel. In the dictionary, it says the word compel to secure or bring about by force. Think of that. Number two, to overpower, to subdue. Number three, to have a powerful or irresistible effect and influence. So think about it. Is the love of God compelling you this morning? Is it gripping you? Is it taking you over by force? Is it compelling you? Is it drawing you closer to the things of God? Is it overpowering you? Is it subduing you where you say, Lord, I can't anymore. I submit. I surrender to your love. 
The word in the Greek means suneko, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. It means it's a compress, to hold together, to arrest, to afflict, to preoccupy. When you are preoccupied with God's love, all you do is think of his love every day. His love for you, his love for your wife, his love for your sons and daughters, his tender mercies that are new every day. When you are compelled, you are arrested by his love. The answer, when we ask ourselves, what exactly is Paul saying? The answer becomes more clear as we continue to read on. And he says that the cost of this love that Christ had shown was really expressed by the gift of God's Son, Jesus Christ. When he took the cross and walked down the Via Della Rosa as he's ripped in shreds and he's walking and carrying the cross that you and I should have been carrying. He gave himself up voluntarily. And then Paul said, he died. One man died for all men. And because he died, we died with him. And because he rose, we rise again with him. Last week, we celebrated Resurrection Sunday morning. And we celebra celebrated the victory over the grave and the victory over the tomb. In other words, we were dead in our sins, dead in our trespasses, dead to the law. We were spiritually dead, and there was no hope. But one man, Jesus Christ, went on the cross and carried our debt, carried our sin, and took upon himself our punishment. And I love when the word says, not imputing their sins against them. In other words, he didn't hold any record of your wrongdoing. He didn't say, well, I'm not going to go to the cross until they get it together. I'm not going to take their place until they understand that this is a real big deal. Hey, you know, He didn't have any excuses. He says, I'm going to the cross in their place. My father loves them so much that he sent me in their place. I mean, when you, when you understand that, it's mind-blowing. While we were sinners, while we were enemies, while we were mocking God, like many of us mock today, while we were scoffers and we were dead in transgressions, God himself came and took your place. He took your consequence. The Bible says that he became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, that we might become right again with God. Amen. All right? Praise God. Now we could completely, God can completely overlook your sin because of one fact. The blood. The blood. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. If you're washed by the blood of the Lamb, then your sins are covered as if you've never sinned even one time because God takes His perfect record and applies it to your account. Glory to God. Thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. All things have passed away. All things become new. Remember last week's message, Behold, I make all things new. In order for God to make things new, it came with a cost. It was a great cost. 
that he took upon himself for you and for me. And then he says in the word, Paul says, we no longer look at things in the natural. We knew Christ in the natural, but we no longer know him in that state. Because once he arose from the dead, he became spirit. The spirit of God now resides in the, in the brethren, the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And now we know him in spirit. And now everything is spirit. The disciples knew Jesus first. In the natural, praise God. And this is why John 4, 24, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Don't you know that God not only died for you so that you could return back to heaven, but he also uh, uh, put the spirit of God in you so that you know how to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, which is how he desires to be worshiped. Praise the Lord hallelujah praise God I'll give myself one on that one praise God now isn't it beautiful to know that through Jesus Christ we are made brand new hallelujah glory to God blessed be the name of the Lord the derelict the deviant can now become a deacon in the house of God the addict can now receive the anointing the thief can become a theologian the pimp can become a preacher or a pastor. Hallelujah. The prostitute can become a praise dancer or a prayer warrior. Hallelujah. Or a prophet. Hallelujah of God. The worldly can become worshipers of the living God. The fool can be freed and forgiven from his foolishness. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. There is no rehab center that can change the life of any person like the Lord Jesus can. Hallelujah. The transcendent glory of God has been fixing up lives from the beginning of time till now. Moreover, and this is where the rubber meets the road. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve the love. None of us deserve forgiveness. What we all deserve is death. But God says, behold, all those in Christ are made new. I make all things new. That means you don't have to earn it because you never could. It tells, it tells us that God makes us new, a new creation. He restores our soul. His tender mercies are new every morning. Are you a new creation? No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how wicked you may think you are, God specializes in making everyone new. Paul is saying that once we realize the immense gift of God's love, we are compelled to lay ourselves down for him, to lay our own life down for him. If God himself came and gave up so much for us, then that means you could lay down that alcohol bottle. You could lay down that pack of cigarettes. You could lay down that, that joint, that weed, whatever it is. You could lay down that cocaine bag and all the other stuff that's out there. You could lay down that illicit sexual relationship. You could lay down that toxic friendship that you have. You could lay down cheating and lying and stealing and abusing people. You could lay all of that down and say, Lord, it is no longer 
I, but you that lives in me. I am washed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm brought with a price. I recognize what you have done. I give myself to you. Hallelujah. Paul says that we are engrafted by God's love. That means through the blood of his son Jesus, now the door is open. The veil is torn. We can now return back to the relationship that the Father had with mankind. We could go directly to the throne of grace. We can be directly in the throne room of God with bold confidence and talk to the Lord one-on-one. It's a powerful concept. Prayer, what a powerful thing. God reconciled us back to him through his son, Jesus. Think about that. Reconciliation. It's said uh, several times in that passage of scripture that we are reconciled. Be reconciled. Be brought back to God. Reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. It came with the price. Jesus had to lay his life down. Listen to what the word of God says in Isaiah 53.10. Yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely. When you make him a restitution offering, he will see his seed. He will prolong his days. And by his hand, the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished. Did you understand what that means? That means it pleased the Lord to crush his son. I love my son. He's seated right over there. I wouldn't want nothing, no harm to become or befall him or my daughter or my family. I wouldn't want no harm to come to you. But God says, I love the world so much. I love my creation so much that I'm going to send my own son and I'm going to enjoy having him crushed like an like a, like a olive is smashed. I'm going to enjoy crushing him so that his blood will wash over the sins of your life. I can't even, I can't even understand that kind of love. That's a love that's too deep for me to understand. But he did it. Let me tell you something. For those that are out there, Buddha didn't die for you. Krishna didn't die for you. The Dalai Lama didn't die for you. He didn't die for me. Allah didn't die for me. Muhammad, not only did he not die for me and not die for you, he doesn't even love me. And he says, anyone that doesn't think like we think, anyone that doesn't believe like we believe, kill them. They're considered an infidel. Muhammad tells people to kill you. That is not a religion of peace. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, here we go. People are going to start tripping. Hallelujah. No matter how many cars she gives away, she don't care about you and she ain't going to die for you either. There's only one person who died for me. There's only one person that died for you, and that is Jesus Christ. The only one who died, and the only one who had the power to come up from the grave. He endured the cross for me. And the least I could do is endure some pain and hardship and some suffering for him. Amen? 
Praise God. Colossians 1, 19 through 22, it said, For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by the wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. I hope you didn't miss that. Praise God. I repeated it just in case. Praise the Lord. Listen, when we read the verses of Scripture, this is spiritual uh, uh, bullets in your gun. These are golden nuggets. Hallelujah. He did not impute your sins against you. He did not hold any records. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he calls you holy and blameless, above reproach. That means you and I can now be looked upon as holy people of God, blameless. How many have committed acts of sin? Some of us this morning before we got here. Hallelujah. Amen. But the Lord sees you as holy and blameless and above reproach because you're covered by the blood of Jesus and by the peace that was won on the cross of Calvary. Whoa. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. That is something to get excited about. Glory to God. Let's look at the word reconciliation just a little bit deeper so we can understand the true meaning. The word reconcile in the Greek is katalasso. Katalasso. It means to change mutually, reciprocally, jointly. In other words, now God can receive you back unto himself because of you being reconciled. God has a law. He has a plan. He had a plan of action. And because the plan was fulfilled, when Jesus is on the cross, the last words before he gave up his spirit, he said, Father, it is finished. And he breathed his last breath and he ascended into heaven. Actually, he descended into the hell, into Sheol for three days. Praise God. And he led the captives free. And then he came back to earth and walked among men for 40 days and 40 nights. And he did more miracles in that time than he did in his whole life ministry. But because of the finished work of cross of Calvary, now we are reconciled. We are brought back into perfect relationship with God. You know, let me just say this. This is just a side note. You know, people have been looking, scientists and, and, and uh, all kinds of, uh, what are those doctors? Anthropologists and bones and all. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, the the, the search, search, searchologies, whatever. I'm making up a name right now. Praise God. All these brainiac people are looking for the Garden of Eden. You know why they're not going to find it? Really, the Garden of Eden is the presence of Almighty God. When, when Adam was in the Garden, he was in the presence of God. And when he sinned, there was a separation that took place. And the Garden of Eden is the presence of God. When you return back 
to your normal state of life. When you return back to the Father, when you get reconciled, you return back into the presence of God. And now you have direct relationship with the Father in a natural world in an abomination type of world and you walk as a child of light as a as a sower a seed sower planting the word of truth everywhere you should go and we need to pray that God will send laborers into the harvest field to break up followed ground and the people of God become the seed sowers planting the seeds of truth everywhere they go glory to God we are reconciled. Hallelujah. The second word, reconciliation. That word is katalage. Katalage, which means an exchange. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of exchange. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. An exchange from dark to light. An exchange from death to life. An exchange from, hev from hell to heaven. An exchange from the grave to life. Hallelujah. An exchange from gloom into glory. Hallelujah. An exchange in the ministry of go. Hallelujah. How many know our ministry is simply entitled go? Go ye therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. And then the end will come. Let's go. Hallelujah. We're there right now. Hallelujah. I want to do my part because I don't like it here anymore. Hallelujah. God's love is so deep and so wonderful that he holds no record of wrongdoing. We know this verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believes upon him will not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, the word perish is in the verse that also has the word love in it. God loves you with an everlasting love. He loves you with a great, immense love. But if you refuse the love of God, there is nowhere else to go. The Bible says he will give you the desires of your heart. And if you're continuously foolish and disrespectful and you don't want to submit your life, then you have already made a decision by default. And on that day, the Lord's going to look at you and he's going to say, I will give you the desire of your own heart. Depart from me where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, where the flames of hell, where the torment shall never cease. Hallelujah. You don't want that to be you. Hell was not made for you. It was made for the devil and his angels. But if you refuse to repent, you will end up there. And that's the truth, Ruth. Hallelujah. God has chosen you and I as his ambassadors on earth. That means you and I represent heaven, represent the kingdom of God on earth below. Right? Jesus said, uh, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Not Howard. Hallowed be thy name. I've heard some jokes out there. Oh, God's name is Howard. No, it's not. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Praise God. While we're here, while the Lord tarries, he expects you and I to be ambassadors of his love. The Bible says as though God were pleading his case through us, his case with the world through us. And he says in order for you to share my love, 
you first need to be reconciled and brought back into my love. You need to be brought back into the fold. That means to be changed, to be made new, to surrender yourself to the new life in Christ. It's an about face, a, a, a 180 degree change. And that means when you surrender, there will be an outward evidence of an inward work of the work of God. That means there would be visible and credible fruit. Isn't it funny? If you look at Galatians chapter 5, you know, the, the word of the Lord says the works of the flesh are evident and it gives you a whole list lying cheating debauchery all these other stuff right uh clamor and, and anger and violence all these all these works of the flesh sexual immorality it's all there so that there's no guesswork the works of the flesh are evident and clearly seen but it says but the fruits of the spirit are also manifest the fruits of the spirit are also evident and then it says love joy peace kindness goodness gentleness mercy self-control right so when you're dealing with people especially those that say yes i'm a christian it it, it, it it's it's a weird thing to me when people who say they're blood brought and washed by the blood of the lamb and say they're christian are living in fornication relationships and doing all kinds of abominable works living in sin there's f-bombs coming out of their mouth every other word is an f-bomb and they really think they're in good standing with the word and the lord god above we've been duped hallelujah the fruit of the Spirit is evident. It's manifest. So are the works of the flesh. We are supposed to walk in love and live in the fruit of the Spirit. The, the fruit's supposed to be evident. And if they're not evident, something's wrong. We began with the Apostle Paul, where he said he was compelled by God's love when we're born again, our testimony is simply and basically attributed to what God has done for us. We may have been a liar, a cheat, a sinner, whatever, but we're now saved by the grace of God. And what a beautiful gift of a loving God who has chosen you and me. He has literally pulled us out from the mud and the muck of our life. But hold on. There's more. Hallelujah. But wait, there's more. When you get baptized, hallelujah, when you open up the gifts, you see, we got to understand that when we're born again, the Holy Spirit comes in. We're sealed with the Spirit of God. He comes in with the whole bag of gifts. And when you start to understand and when you open up the gifts and you get baptized with the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says you shall be filled with power and you shall become a bold witness. How many know that you become a whole new person? Everything that was before is over. People will look for you on Facebook. They'll try to find you on Facebook. And they'll say, yo, remember me? Yo, that person you knew is dead. That brother's dead. And that man is dead. He's buried. You can find his grave in Circleville Park where I was baptized. Hallelujah. You can find the old me back there. But what stands before you is a blood-brought, washed child of the Most High God. Homie, don't play that. Hallelujah. 
Because sometimes the past will try to come back and remind you of who you were and remind you. But the Lord tells you who you are right now in his presence. I'm no longer that guy. Hallelujah. I praise the Lord for that. Our life changes. We become witnesses. You are never the same. You are captured and gripped by the love of God. You are arrested by the presence of the holy God. You are compelled and you will never be the same again. Amen. Let me give you an illustration. I'm going to get a little mushy now. It's time mushy time. Amen. It's mushy time. My sister, I could just see her. She's going, Ugh. Daisy, Pastor Daisy. I could see her right now, but praise God. I'm going in. When I saw my wife for the very first time, it's a funny thing. Brother Richie was with me the first day I laid eyes upon you. Yes, sir. You was there, brother. The first time I ever saw my wife, I was enamored. I was smitten. I was captured. And I said to myself, I need to know this woman. I need to know. I have to know. I stopped everything. And Richie was like, come on, man. We got to go to work, man. We just came out of lunch. Come on, man. I was like, dude, wait right here. Don't worry. It's all good. I'll be right back. But we became friends. And I got to know her heart. And after about a two-year friendship, we began to date. Later, I became gripped by her love. And my life would never be the same again. And that's the truth. I belong to her, and she belonged to me. When she allowed her heart to be open to my heart, and I allowed my heart, I became putty in her hands. She was able to shape me and do whatever she wanted me to do. Everything I ever had, everything I ever will have, became hers. Everything she ever had became mine. She had my heart. I had her heart. She never took advantage of that fact. She never betrayed the gift that I had given her, which was my love. And I never betrayed her gift. And for 25 years, we've been together. I know initially I overwhelmed her. She tried to escape. She literally ran over the Atlantic Ocean and tried to get away from me. But I chased her and I got her. And I went over there and I made myself known to her whole family, to everybody. And I said, listen, you don't understand. You're the one. You're going to bear my children. You're the one. We were gripped by each other's love. We were compelled to be together. We lived our life for each other. And no matter what was going on, we decided it's you and me against the whole world. But as long as you're with me, we could do everything together. And I say this because it's a great parallel to where we are with God. When you have an encounter with God, when you are compelled by the Lord's love, when you are gripped by the love of God, everything changes. The same way when you fall in love. Sometimes you ain't even meaning to fall in love. But all of a sudden, boom, 
Your, your, your eyes are there. And next thing you know, you have a conversation. Next thing you know, your whole world is upside down. You're changing a job. You're changing location. You're buying a house. You never thought you'd buy a house. You're buying a car. And then you buy a minivan because now you got little kids. And you say, oh, my God, I turned into my mother. I turned into my father. What happened? You were compelled. You were gripped by love. Like I was saying earlier, this is why it's so strange for me to see people that say they've had an encounter with God and still they lie and cheat and steal and murmur and backbite and gossip and willfully sin against God. It doesn't sound to me like that person is arrested or gripped or captive by God's love. It doesn't sound to me like that person is a bondservant of Jesus Christ. It doesn't sound to me like that person is a prisoner in chains to the love of God. It doesn't sound like to me like that person experienced any type of change or any type of deep devotion to God. Let me give you another example. I don't know if it's still here or not. But when I was younger, right here on my nose, I know people are now going to wait after church to come real close. But I had a birthmark on my nose for my whole life, practically my whole life. And it was an upside down A. It was a little dot. And on the dot, it was like a line like that and then an A. It was literally an A upside down on my nose my whole life long. And I used to, you know, goof around with people. They would watch me and they'd say, oh, man, you don't have no A. I said, look, come close. They'd come close and they'd see it. They'd go, oh, man, yeah, it's there. I had a really weird upside down A on my nose. And people would laugh at it, praise God. But listen, designers, they have trademarks. They have logos which identify their brand. Even if you don't see the garment, even if you didn't buy it, you look at the logo and you know that it's either MK, right? Uh, whatever, Coors dude. Uh, uh, Gucci, Versace, me, I'm a faded glory type of guy. Amen, I'm a Walmart dude. I don't wear no Gucci, man. That's not on my salary. Hallelujah. I'm a faded glory. Look at my shirt. It's all Walmart. Amen. I ain't scared. But let me tell you something. This is important. We look at logos and we understand what company manufactured the product. But do you know that God has established a birthmark on a believer? Do you know that God has a little logo on every believer? And, and, and that logo is very simple. Love. The love. Love is the birthmark, is the logo of God's fingerprint on the life of every believer. If you have that birthmark, if you walk in his love, then others will know that you have the love of God abiding in you. If you do not walk in love, then something must be missing in your walk with Jesus Christ. Let me tell you. It is impossible to be a child of God. It is impossible to be a follower of Jesus Christ and walk with a stank attitude. Impossible. You can't be a grumpy, uh, 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 a stinky, mm, stinky Christian. A funky attitude Christian. It doesn't make sense. 
It, it's it's a it's an oxymoron. It's an impossibility. How can you say you receive the love of Christ and then treat people so wrong and so wicked and so evil? There's a problem there. There's spots on the love fest. Listen very closely. The Bible says if you have any hatred in your life toward anyone, you are not walking as a child of God. If you hate your husband, if you hate your wife, if you hate your son, your daughter, your boss, your pastor, your neighbor, how about this, president, governor, you hate your leaders, you hate the police, you hate the mayor, you hate lawyers, whatever it is, you hate anybody. The Bible says you are disobedient and you are in danger. Let me give you some scriptures to back it up before you start tripping. 1 John 4.20 If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Let me tell you today, if you harbor any hatred, discord, anything for anyone, let it go. Forgive. Set yourself free and set them free. I know there's stuff that people have done that's wicked and evil. And you might think to yourself, they don't deserve forgiveness. But listen, if that was the case, Jesus on the cross would have never said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If you uh, don't want to forgive, you're basically making yourself bigger and greater than God. 1 John 2.11 But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Have mercy, O God. 1 John 3.15 Whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. I tell you this with the love of God. Do not let hate or anger or any of these things, rage, violence, do not let that forfeit your inheritance. There will not be hate in heaven. There will not be pride in heaven or any of those things. Let me give you another illustration. When a woman is pregnant, over time, she will eventually show in the beginning, there's numerous changes going on inside of her, but those changes are only taking place internally and not outwardly visible. But later on, a few months into the pregnancy, she begins to show and the world will know she's having a baby. Many of God's so-called children, they aren't pregnant with God's love. Because they are not showing yet. They talk about it, but for some reason, they are not showing it. When you start to show, then the world will know that you are a child of God because of the manner in which you love one another. Let me talk really quickly about the ministry 
of reconciliation. That means we literally represent God here on earth. His message to the masses, the good news of God's love, that he paid your debt, my debt. He that knew no sin became sin. It's our responsibility to share that word of truth. People must choose for themselves whom they will serve. The dragnet will be thrown one day and everything is going to be caught in that net. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. The people who have rejected the gift of God's love, they will also be rejected themselves and sent to a place of weeping and torment. But those in Christ Jesus will be separated and they will be brought into eternal glory with Jesus Christ. Paul said he was compelled by love. That means he was overpowered. He was subdued. He was gripped by love. Let me tell you another example. When you are compelled by love, then no one has to tell you what to do. When you are compelled to serve, to give of your love to someone else, no one has to push you and tell you what to do. You do it simply because you believe God has called you to do it. Like, I want to give a personal shout out. Sister Liz, Sister Maria, all the other women and and people that serve in this house. But I I just point those out as as an example. I've never called them to come here and clean the church. But they come and they clean and they take care of the building so that anyone that walks in will come into a clean sanctuary. No one has to tell them to come. No one has to force them to come. They come because they are compelled by love. They're not getting paid. And I'm sorry to blow up your spot, but I just want to bring that out to your attention. I'm grateful. We are grateful. Your act of love blesses us. It's a blessing to the whole body. And we are grateful. But just the same way, when you are full of the love of Christ, you come early. You rehearse, right? Sister Cynthia, you rehearse, you come. You come early. You clean. You sweep. You go give food to the, to the, to the needy. You help people. You do those things because you are compelled by love no one has to force you to do it praise God love isn't premeditated love is spontaneous love is a get up and go attitude it's a can-do attitude and when you are gripped by the love of God there is no turning back praise God and let me tell you one other beautiful quality that when we receive the love of God it comes from some person very special the Holy Spirit of God Romans 5, 5, it says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If we try to prove to God how much we love Him, it really is a sign that we just don't love Him at all. Our love for God is evidenced in the absolute spontaneity of our love, which flows directly from God's nature inside of us through His Holy Spirit. Look at the word and the the gift of salvation. Salvation is not man's idea. Salvation is God's idea. Salvation is the great thought of God. It's not just an experience, but it's God's plan for every man to be reconciled back to Him. And we, too, have been given this ministry of reconciliation. Let me just tell you, as I'm getting ready to close, the fire of God's love will never, 
ever be quenched. It can never fizzle out. It will never run out. God's love is from everlasting to everlasting. His love is genuine. Romans 8.35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Praise God. A few verses later, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. John 15, 12, it tells us that we are commanded to love one another just as Christ loved us. And let me tell you, now more than ever, the world that we live in needs the love of Jesus Christ. Now, as I close, the judgment of God is certain. God is good. God is love, but because he's good, he has to judge sin. He has to judge wickedness. Otherwise, he wouldn't be good. He wouldn't be just. He wouldn't be fair. So because God is good, there is going to come justice and judgment in our land. I believe it has already begun. The Bible says God disciplines those that he loves. He says in his word that judgment begins in the house of God. Let me tell you people, Jesus is coming soon. We are to walk in his love and stay connected in his love. Share his love. The world is, is going to be coming in droves to look for the Lord God. And we need to be ready to receive them in the fallen state that they come in. Revival is coming to our land. Get ready. Revival is coming. If you are not able to walk in love now, then what makes you think you're going to walk in love later? We need to walk in the love of God. We have been forgiven much, so we should also forgive much. We have received freely, so freely we should give. We know and understand the love of God, therefore we should impart the love of God to the listeners. Listen to the word in Jude 20. Jude 20, 23, it says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God. Praying in the Holy Spirit. You hear that? Keeping yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some have compassion making a distinction, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. If you've heard these slogans before, one more, each one, reach one. Let me tell you now more than ever, this is the time for the church to rise up in evangelism, to prepare our heart. The Lord is coming soon, but before that, he expects you and me to be ambassadors of heaven, ministers of reconciliation, sharing the love of God, extending open arms. I know they're telling us to social distance ourselves, but we need to walk in love. Hallelujah. And we need to be about the love of God. 
Uh, uh, we want more of God, more of you, and we want more for the world, for, for people to come to Christ. You and me are ambassadors of heaven, and we have to show this world that Jesus saves, that Jesus loves. His blood is effective and is able to capture your heart and, and change you forever and ever. Let us allow God's Holy Spirit to grip us by His love today. Amen. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's bow our heads this morning. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.